You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I'm here. I'm still evacuated from southern Alabama, but I'm here. That's positive. Uh, for those who don't know, Jimmy lives down in the Mobile area. Of course, it was hit pretty hard by Hurricane Sally. Um, and, uh, man, I've seen some photographs and some video, and it certainly was hit hard. We're just all happy that our boy Jimmy Stein is doing fine. Meanwhile, we do have a very special guest today from Locked On, Missouri, and that is John Miller, uh, who's part of the Locked On Network, obviously. John, how are you today? I'm doing great. I am ready for some football. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I think we are certainly ready for some football. You could say that. Uh, Jimmy and I have been, you know, doing everything we can do to to have new topics for the podcast, et cetera. And nothing is better than just having actual football games. And uh, now we've got some football going on. Alabama, Missouri is in about a week. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. In fact, it seems like a lot of you guys are looking forward to it. To get into Faro Field, it's going to cost you $600 for a pair of tickets. I got to believe that has a little bit to do with the Alabama demand and also the obviously depressed supply. But Oh, man. that's I'm, I'm, Well, it sucks, but I'm glad to hear it. I mean, I'm glad the demand is that way. And frankly, um, as much as I love me some Bryant-Denny Stadium, don't get me wrong, I would kind of dig it. If all college stadiums, uh, or at least the the ceiling for college stadium capacity, was in the neighborhood of seventy five to eighty thousand, so that it was filled more often than not, because I mean Alabama has been that way. I mean we seat over a hundred thousand people, but when you bring in Middle Tennessee State, you're going to have some empty seats. Yeah, there's no yeah. doubt about it. And I think if uh, I think if Missouri's basketball program about fifteen years ago. They built a 15,000-capacity arena. I think if they had to do it over again, they'd kind of go with more of your theory of a little more intimate, get the crowd filled in there, that kind of deal. Well, you have a new regime in Missouri since we, uh, since we last played. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz comes in. What, what has been there, – there's a, there's a honeymoon period, I think, for any new hire that extends cert- certainly up to the first game. <laughs> Right. What what would you say uh, has been the reception for for Eli, and has he generated some uh, some some good optimism for Missouri football? I think honeymoon is the exact right phrasing that I that I've been using on my show, to be honest. And I think so far Eli has done a great job of, most importantly, ingratiating himself to I think the high school football coaches throughout the state. That's number one. Number two, also, he's done a good job with the media and just, you know, glad-handing all the boosters and the important fans. And I think right now the optimism, at least maybe not so much this season because we'll get to this. This is such a weird football season for everyone. But in particular, Mm -hmm. when you've got a new coach, I think long-term, though, the optimism is that Drinkwitz will be able to bring some offensive innovation and imagination to the program that maybe we haven't seen for a few years. And on top of that, he's a really good recruiter, at least so far. So, again, honeymoon period, all systems go. We'll see how people feel after, frankly, this Alabama game in eight days. 
Yeah, I think that's uh, people should be excited about him. I mean, obviously, he's proven himself to be a winner. There's no doubt. Um, now, a couple of things I want to ask you here because he Missouri just came out and said at least 12 players will miss the Alabama game. And right. that's – look, you're already shorthanded. I, I'm not trying to insult Missouri, but I think obviously Alabama is more talented top to bottom than those Tigers. But um, to miss 12 guys, and we don't know if they're walk-ons, we don't know if they're scholarship or starter or whatever, but to miss 12 guys right now – is is a true problem considering there hadn't been a spring practice there you know the the depth may be an issue some other people have probably been quarantined throughout the time um do you think there's any chance this game gets canceled um you know i i think we we just saw some from the sec office we saw some minimums on roster i think missouri will easily i think they're they'll be able to make the 53 man minimum on that but there's some position minimums that I would be worried about specifically for Missouri's case it's got to be the offensive line Eli mentioned last week that they had started or at least in practice had basically installed their fifth first team left guard in as many days so five starters in five days at one position on the offensive line I think if there's anywhere that you'd worry about that'd be the position not only in terms of obviously just performance but getting enough bodies to play the game and I guess I would ask you guys, on the other hand, what has Nick Saban been saying? Has he said anything? Has there been any indication whatsoever? Because while Drinkwitz from Mizzou hasn't put out any specific players, he did put out numbers. What's your all's policy been? Well, Nick doesn't. Uh, Nick hasn't said much at all. As a matter of fact, he's he said that uh, well back, I guess it was early in the summer that uh, that he talked to the leadership council, which is a you know the the, the player leaders. Uh, and had, had a meeting with them and they asked that 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 COVID news not be not be shared publicly and coach Saban has stuck with that uh he is not he is not uh publicly stated uh when any the names of any players who have tested positive even though it is crystal clear there have been several positives dating back to the early summer even up to the present it was completely obvious uh, at a scrimmage a couple of weeks ago where where the the freshman quarterback everyone was excited to see Bryce Young he missed practice for 10 days and missed a scrimmage and he wasn't hurt so right. <laughs> anyone could do the math sure but Nick Saban never said publicly that Bryce Young was positive for COVID nor has he said that anyone has had he has also not acknowledged that there have been opt-outs and uh, that hasn't been public although it's sort of assumed I guess you would say around the program there has been a couple though not anyone that was slated to be in the starting lineup but you know there's there there's assumptions that there's been a couple but nothing public so he has been very quiet uh at the player's request but it's also keeping in coach Saban's personality that he would keep information like that as quiet as as the rules allow so I don't think you're going to see coach Saban or Alabama say anything I think should Alabama play Missouri uh, a week from Saturday, we're going to know who's missing from Alabama by who's, who's not out there in uniform during warmups. Yeah, sure. I think, and I think maybe my point there was, is that while that a dozen guys from Missouri being out of this football game is obviously that's a, that's an attention grabbing headline, but I guess what I'm trying to get to is this is going to be the ultimate unknown. We don't know anything about Alabama, number one. And number two, again, we don't know who these Missouri players are. 
And just to kind of get to your point about, you know, obviously Alabama has more depth every single year than Missouri is going to have more four-star, five-star talent. But also on top of that, Missouri has had two opt-outs already. One, neither guy played very much last season. I think the receiver, Maurice Massey, was the guy you maybe hoped could break out this year. But then on top of that, we're still technically under NCAA probation, so we're actually down four scholarships this year. So we only have an 81 limit. So with those two opt-outs, now you're looking at 79 scholarship players for the Tigers. So who knows how many of those 12 guys actually opted out. And you uh, know what? Um, a few months ago on my show, just to flip to back to Bama for a second, actually, let's get to the football field. I put out my favorite Heisman Trophy pick was actually Mac Jones at 25 to 1. And my logic there was, well, obviously it's Alabama. If you're going to win the Heisman Trophy, you generally have to be on a team that's competing for a championship. And I think we saw enough out of Mac Jones last year to be optimistic. How are you guys feeling just generally about Mac Jones and the Alabama offense after you guys lost so many receivers to the NFL last year? I want to let Jimmy tackle that, and I want to tackle it as well, but I want to address one other thing very quickly, and that's the uh, probation you mentioned that you guys are still on, which is complete BS. I mean, you, I'm in total solidarity with you guys here and just want to let you know, but I also want to say something. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, it, I couldn't, it is. couldn't be any matter at the NCAA at what they did to y'all than what they did to us back in the early 2000s. However, I do have to also say this one one thing I'm not mad about, and that's Built Bar. John, you know how good Built Bar is. You've gotten the samples just like the rest of us. Absolutely delicious, nutritious. They fill you up. You can get flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake. My personal favorite is carrot cake. Uh, absolutely love them. Go check them out at B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com, BuiltBar.com. They just had this huge relaunch. As the, I mentioned, five flavors. They've got 13 other flavors to go with, and they really are. They're, they're so much better for you than the things, you know, obviously better than a Nestle Crunch Bar for you, but it's still better than like a Cliff Bar or any of those other bars that are just loaded with sugar. These aren't loaded with sugar, and they still taste delicious and fill you up. Go check them out at BuiltBar.com. Okay. Yeah, uh, Mac Jones, one of my uh, favorite subjects. Uh, you know, you know, Mac Mac is really interesting, John, uh, because there, there's kind of a, a dichotomy here. He he was not as highly recruited as the Tua Tungavaloas or the Jalen Hurts or now the Bryce Youngs. This was one of the lesser recruited quarterbacks, you would say, of, of the Nick Saban era. Uh, he flipped uh, from a commitment to Kentucky. He, he was committed to Kentucky and flipped to Alabama and was part of the signing class, the same signing class as Tua. So you're talking about someone who has been by the fan base the first two or three years that he was on campus, largely overlooked uh, because of the Tua uh, presence of Tua, the, the Tua versus Jalen quarterback battle. So Mac was sort of an afterthought. He also fights this, you know, when when you just look at Mac Jones and he's not in his uh, his helmet and his jersey, he looks like any other student at Alabama. I mean, uh, you know, he's he's not a guy you just peg as a big time athlete looking at him. As a matter of fact, the most common comparison among Alabama fans uh, in, in terms of during the Saban era, people point to Greg McElroy and say, Mac, Mac's Greg. Well, they, they sort of look similar. You know, they're uh, that they, they talk similar. So 
Mac has never been hyped as potentially a great player. However, after three years on campus of developing and working with Alabama's quarterback coaches, he finally gets a shot when Jalen Hurts moves on to be the number two quarterback, and then Tua gets hurt a couple of times, and he's got to get on the field. And uh, frankly, he played great. What, what a lot of people don't realize is it's a one game, too small of a sample size to make huge assumptions. But against Auburn, Mac Jones produced a higher quarterback rating in that game than Joe Burrow did against Auburn. And hmm. against Michigan, uh, the Michigan Wolverines, again, small sample size, of course. But in that game, he produced a higher quarterback rating against Michigan than Justin Fields did against Michigan. So he played exceptionally well against two really good defenses. And this kind of overlooked kid may have in the shadows developed into a really fine quarterback that the NFL is interested in. The Senior Bowl is interested in him. He is a junior, but he's already graduated and is working on a master's degree. So it's kind of assumed that if Mac has a great year, he might move on to the NFL after the season. And the very fact you can say that sentence out loud seriously is just crazy considering what was being said about Mac, you know, two and three years ago, which is, well, you know, he's never going to play at Alabama, but look at him now. Yeah, it's interesting. You wonder sometimes the last few years, like Joe Burrow, for instance, kind of came out of nowhere to become the number one pick, like before his senior season, whatever last season was for him, I should say, nobody had him as like a, first day prospect or anything like that so sometimes you wonder how many of these backups really have untapped potential that you just haven't got to see and frankly it seems like Mac Jones may have just been overlooked because Alabama for the first time in the college football playoff didn't make it is is that stupid I mean are people just that short-sighted I think oh well Mac Jones must have been bad because Alabama didn't make the playoff no, I think people <laughs> can be that short-sighted, especially when Alabama made the first five playoffs. Um, and here's the thing. People love to point at the Iron Bowl where he had two pick sixes. One was literally a butt interception. It hits. If Najee Harris weren't so developed in his gluteus maximus, that ball <laughs> wouldn't bounce up in the air and it's not returned for a pick six. And the other pick six, while it was a horrible throw, it was his, easily his worst throw of the game. The player who intercepted it Smoke Monday and returned it was admittedly in the wrong place. He he was not supposed to be right there. It just worked out because Auburn's Jordan-Hare Stadium is built on an Indian burial ground. That's the only reason. Um, <laughs> you may not know what we're talking about, but you will eventually one day, Missouri, find out that every time you go to Jordan-Hare, something weird's going to happen. So uh, that's why we say that. But, uh, yeah. I, I could be Mac wrong. Jones- I don't think Missouri has actually made it to that stadium yet. So I guess we will no. find out pretty soon. But believe it or not, yeah, we've been in the conference since 2012. Yeah, I, we still have not made it there. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. But, man, that's unbelievable. Anyway, yeah. sorry about that. Go ahead. No, that's okay. But I think that um, Mac Jones certainly is a sleeper. Heisman, I mean, and, and a sleeper in the truest sense of the word. Because you know, as well as I, that the – uh, all SEC coaches preseason team came out and they, for some reason, have a first team, second team, and unbelievably a third team, which makes no sense. But regardless, and Mac Jones was not number one, number two, or number three. And as I told another sports program yesterday, frankly, it, the the quarterbacks that are on the list, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond, and Bo Nix, it wouldn't shock me at all if none of those three made the the final 
the postseason All-SEC team because the quarterback position in the league is so up for grabs this year. And it wouldn't shock me if Mac Jones was number one, because when you're throwing to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, you're going to get some pretty nice stats. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't even think it's out of the question that Miles Brennan for LSU could have a really big yeah. season and make all SEC right. or something like that. So who the heck knows, kind of going back to that point. But you know what? Can I ask you guys about a for, an assistant coach that is common to both of our teams? This is a guy is of, of great interest to Missouri fans, and that's former defensive line coach Craig Kuligowski. Now, I know I'm kind of throwing this one at you from out of left field. I believe Cool was the Alabama defensive line coach in 2018. And Nick Saban thought of him very highly and everything. He actually played for Nick at Toledo in 1990. But, you know, kind of like he he sort of wore out his welcome at Missouri, despite the fact that he put a lot of NFL guys, a lot of defensive ends into the NFL as pass rushers. Now it seemed like he wore out his welcome in Alabama, too. Do you guys have any sort of insight or any story as to what happened with Kuligowski in Alabama? Well, the fact he was here one year uh, says a lot because, you know, there is a lot of turnover in the Alabama staff. But, but to be honest, most of the turnover at Alabama has been a coach shows up, is here for one year or two years, then moves on to a promotion or a bigger job, you know, like right. Elaine Kiffin leaves and, and is a head coach. That's and, not the case. With you know, that's not the case clearly. here. No, he was here yeah. one year, one year, and then he was gone and it was not a promotion. So he's at he, Toledo he, now, I believe. Yeah, right. Yep. Right. So he, it was a, a short, uh, you know, he, he's on a short list of Saban coaches that were short termers that didn't leave for a better job. So that should tell us something wasn't good. Now, yeah. working for working for Nick Saban isn't for everybody. Uh, sure. I think I think Nick Saban might might, might even admit that. Uh, so it's tough. Uh, the little that I know about it, uh, I, I would say uh, a little bit of a personality conflict, where in the sense that Nick Saban is extremely businesslike. Uh, everything sure. is a, is a is a fine oiled machine, whereas uh, Kuligowski was a little more laid back, more likely to kind of show up to work in, in a Hawaiian shirt and flip-flops, which is great, you know, when you're doing your job great. But I, I think it was a bad personality fit, and that's why it didn't last long. Yeah, I think I think you're completely correct. And I guess what's interesting to me is apparently he had the same thing with Barry Odom, but apparently Kuligowski and Gary Pinkle worked really well together for several years. And Obviously, Gary Pinkle and Nick Saban are really good friends. I think they may have even been college teammates or something. And Pinkle has a very similar sort of business-like, no-nonsense personality to Nick Saban. So, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird mystery that I've never totally been able to figure it out. But apparently, it's just as simple as, you know, just personalities clash sometimes, I guess. All right, guys, let's take a break. And when we come back, John, I want to get uh, your predictions for the league. Sounds good. Okay, guys, we're back. Uh, John, that's, uh, Jimmy and I will give our predictions next week um, on the podcast. But uh, since we have you here, why don't you run down? You don't have to give us the seventh place in the East and West. I'm pretty sure that's going to be Arkansas and Vanderbilt. In fact, I might put Arkansas ninth. Um, I know we're <laughs> only 17, but I think that's where I'm going to put them. That's fair. I think that's a fair spot for the Hogs at this point. <laughs> so what have you got? 
Well, you know, I'll start with the East. I'll just say, you know, with Jamie Newman opting out of the season for Georgia, he was going to be a quarterback transfer from Wake Forest. For me, I think i got to go Florida now. Maybe I'm nuts, but just something tells me that this is Florida's year to jump out and take the East. I mean, this isn't an an anti-Georgia thing or an anti-Kirby Smart thing by any stretch of the imagination. I just trust the continuity at Florida right now. I just like that they have a quarterback that I've actually seen before. So I'm just going to lead them toward them. As far as the West champions, well, I mean, i got to go with you all. I hate to say it, roll tide. What can I say? Because (laughs) as much as – I think LSU, though, to be honest, I know they're losing a ton. Jamar Chase opted out, who is going to be their best receiver, possible top five pick, all that good stuff. But, again, kind of like you all, kind of like Alabama, it's not as though the second string at LSU is devoid of talent. So, I just want to see what they look like before I completely dismiss them. But as of today, I got to go Alabama versus Florida in the SEC title game. And eh, roll tide. We'll go, we'll go with you all to advance. I dig that, man. Good job by you. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, being, I'm, I'm honestly not kissing butt here. That's just how I really feel. And that's we, a pretty conventional take. Not exactly a hot take there. We, we welcome butt kissing on this podcast, just to let you know. You may not be doing it, but we're pro-butt kissing, okay? <laughs> I, I like to hear that. Well, well in, that light, in that light, why don't I uh, turn the tables on you guys in a little bit and remind you that we actually did beat you out for a recruit this past spring and Enos Rakestraw. Rakestraw. Good cornerback. I actually think we'll probably see him on – the reason I'm actually bringing him up is because I think we'll probably see him on the field uh, in eight days. I really do. I don't think he's going to start the game necessarily, but Missouri's down two important cornerbacks from last season. So everything I've heard about Rakestraw so far – you know, clearly I haven't seen him or anything, but just the scuttlebutt is so far so good. He's got the look of a really good player. What's the word on how uh, is Sean Robinson entrenched as the number one quarterback? Is there a, a camp battle for that spot? Or, uh, you know, what, what can we expect? Uh, what can Alabama fans expect to see out of Sean Robinson at quarterback? Well, assuming that Sean Robinson does indeed start the game because Drinkwitz has kept that close to the vest and he said he's not going to announce the starter. But the assumption around the Mizzou beat has always been that Sean Robinson is the leader in the clubhouse. He was like a four-star, top 100, top 150-style recruit out of high school, went to TCU, and frankly had sort of mixed results at TCU. I guess the optimist would say that some of that was due to a shoulder injury. Now the pessimist might say shoulder injuries, maybe not the best thing for a quarterback to have, but you know, again, we've heard mixed things about Robinson. I think a lot of people close to the program seem to really, really like him and believe in him. Now I'm the type of guy I was impressed with Connor Basilak at times. He, he had our best drive against Georgia had some decent, had some good moments against Arkansas before he unfortunately tore his ACL with an awkward slide. He ran the wishbone in high school, so apparently he doesn't know how to slide. So he tore his ACL. Kid's got a good arm, but you know what? It sounds like it's going to be Robinson, and I would expect, you know, he's a, a, a solid runner. Um, I, I don't know. Frankly, offensively, it's going to be a mystery what, what Missouri does because we haven't seen Robinson. We haven't seen Eli Drinkwitz. So your guess is, is probably as good as mine what the X's and O's look like. And finally, John, I want to ask you something here. Uh, well, two things, actually. Number one, 
are you happy being in the SEC? Would is there any part of the Missouri fan base that wishes they were still in the Big Twelve or maybe made the move to the Big Ten? Number one and number two, how much personal satisfaction do you guys get out of the fact that you've been to the SEC championship game twice and Texas A and M hadn't been yet? <laughs> well, that's a that's a great question, and you know it's interesting you bring up Texas A and M. Uh, I think Missouri actually fans take a lot more pride or satisfaction in the fact that Texas hasn't been very good the last 10 years or so. I think that's what we like to see. <laughs> now, clearly, Kansas Kansas is our biggest rival, but Texas is the big bully in the Big 12 that was a big part of why that conference fell apart. I mean, Nebraska, their weird relationship with Texas, that whole thing. But to answer your question, does a part of me still wish that Missouri was in the Big 12? Um, In a perfect world, yes. I mean, in an absolutely perfect world, yes. But unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world. And the reality was, at the time of realignment, Missouri didn't have much choice but to jump to the SEC. There wasn't a guarantee that the Big 12 was still going to be around at that time. You see, if people forget, Oklahoma and Texas were starting to flirt with the Big – I'm sorry, the Pac-12 a little bit. So – if you're Kansas, if you're Missouri, if you're Kansas State, those kind of teams, you were, for, you were looking at possibly being without a major conference. Now, when it comes to the Big Ten, the answer's simple. No. No part <laughs> of me wishes that Missouri was in the Big Ten. So just is there, is there maybe 5% at most of the Missouri fan base that thinks, well, geographically we have more in common with the Big Ten. It's more Midwest. Yeah, I understand that part. But, frankly, i just much rather would be – with the big boys in the SEC, and frankly, just better. I'd rather go south in the fall and the winter if I'm going to go on a road trip. You know what I mean? It's warmer. I don't want to go to Ann Arbor, Michigan in late November. That doesn't sound fun to me. So, no, no interest in the Big Ten. And overall, I'm very happy to be in the SEC. Now, are you guys happy to have us? That's the question. Uh, Jimmy, I'll let you take that. Well, sure. I mean, well, for one thing, you know, football you just kind of it's not just locked on Bama, but, you know, football is the thing in the, in the SEC as a whole. And I think when you're talking about adding Missouri, you know, every, everyone wants to look at football as and, 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 you know, analyze it from there. But Missouri is, is fantastic in multiple sports. It's a really good basketball program. I think uh, let's not just look at the football. Uh, I, I think Missouri is a, a, a great addition. There's obviously a lot of television markets, uh, Kansas City and St. Louis, that are kind of added to the SEC footprint. So overall, yes. Uh, now, you know, in terms of how competitive can the football program be? Well, Missouri has won the SEC East twice. Uh, you know, not, not, not all the uh, teams in the East can say that for sure. And there have been teams in the East a lot longer than Missouri has been there. So I think in terms of their division, Missouri has been – somewhat competitive but is it easy to be good enough year in and year out to compete with Florida and Georgia and Tennessee that you know because because Missouri hasn't been in the league with a good Tennessee yet but that's probably coming so I think that's a good question and and you know will Missouri be a top half of the division team will they be a uh you know a lower half of the division team uh we'll, we'll see how things shake out with the Drinkwitz hire uh and I think that was a good hire. Uh, might not have been the first choice, but but might have ended up the best choice. So we'll see. Um, I think adding the TV markets and adding a new state to the SEC's footprint is a huge positive for everyone. 
And uh, John, just before we let you go, I'll say that, yes, I am happy to have Missouri for all the reasons Jimmy mentioned. I will say this. I think naturally it would be I would be happier if Missouri were in the West because that's where they should be. However, for that to happen, I think the only way that happens is for Auburn to move to the East, which creates a whole bunch of problems in traditional rivalries. And therefore, I don't think that can happen. I mean, until there's expansion again, um, which I assume there will be, Missouri is probably not going to get in the West. And it is blatantly unfair that you guys have to travel from, you know, Columbia, Missouri to Gainesville, Florida, which, and, and it just, it's not fair. It's not, it's not right. But I think you guys will gladly do that uh, just to be in this conference, which, you know, I totally understand. I just think that Alabama fans would appreciate Missouri more because we have a bit of a history with you guys. We would appreciate you more sure. if you were in our division and we got to see you more often because this is Alabama's only second trip to Missouri since you've been in the league. So it's not like we've been right. hiking it up to Columbia every year. No, that's very true. Yeah, you all came down. And <laughs> our first year in the league, actually, in 2012, I just actually on this uh, program, I brought up the 1975 game where mm-hmm. Missouri right. actually played the opener. It was Monday night football, mm-hmm. like, much like this year, the season opening game against the Tide. We actually won 20-7 to seven right. down in Birmingham. So quite that's the right. famous game down in these parts, for sure. All right, guys. Well, listen, that's going to do it for this podcast. John, thank you so much for joining us, buddy. And I truly mean this. Best of luck to you guys. Um, I'll be pulling for you every game except ours. And um, you know what? I hope that uh, some sometime, some way, y'all stick it to the NCAA. Hey, thank you guys so much. Thanks for having me on. And you know what? I really want to dislike you Alabama fans, but there's just too much Southern hospitality. You guys are too nice. I can't do it. Y'all come back now. You hear, John? All right. Y'all come back now. You hear as well. See you guys later. Thanks, John. Roll Tide, Jimmy. Thanks, guys. Roll Tide, Jimmy. Roll Tide, Luke.